What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support the podcast in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars. You just leave uh, just a few words. A few words there does the trick. And uh, that will help propel the podcast into the tops of the iTunes charts and uh, will make it more nationally and internationally visible. It'll help strangers find the podcast, and it's just a great way to contribute to the sustainability of this thing. So if you got a few extra minutes, that's all it takes. It doesn't take long at all. And uh, by clicking subscribe, then the fresh episode will hit your feed automatically every Friday when it's available. So uh, that is the benefits of doing that as well. And uh, like I said, it's free, and uh, it will just... uh, it will just help gain more exposure for the, the folks that come on the show that uh, share their music and, and stories on, on the podcast. So uh, just a great thing all, all the way around. And I know you want to help. I know you want to help. You're tuned in. So why not? Why not do it? Um, take, the, uh, take the next step. If you've been listening to this thing for a while, take the next step and, uh, and, and leave that review. It's uh, much appreciated. All the folks that have already taken the time to do so, really appreciate it. And uh, just just for tuning in, thank you for tuning into this thing regularly. It's uh, it's crazy, man. We're 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 in episode one hundred and seventy nine. Got a killer one coming at you. Had the pleasure of jumping on the phone with the front man for Boy and Bear. They're out of Sydney, Australia. I've been putting records out for for like ten years now. They're a killer band, and I got to chat with their uh, their lead singer, David Hosking, and uh, just a a great chat with Dave. So I was uh, I was thrilled at the opportunity to get to do this thing, and um, and we're gonna jump into the episode momentarily. So um, yeah, definitely want to welcome anybody. That's tuning into this thing for the first time because you're a fan of Boy and Bear. Um, a killer chat is ahead, and we share a few of the tracks off of off of the new record that's coming out on September 27th from Boy and Bear. It's called Suck on Light, and uh, we feature a few tracks off of it in this episode. Um, but feeling real good about what's happening in the month of September for this podcast. And... Um, it's very cool to kind of see this thing grow outside of the local level. And um, I'm going to be featuring a lot of national touring acts over the next, I don't know, five or six weeks. And there'll be some Portland locals peppered in there as well because, you know, I'm about that as well. But I think from the from the get-go of this show, a big thing that I was trying to achieve was to 
get some bigger bands on this podcast and and some uh, more well-known artists to uh, to create more exposure for the show so that when those local Portland artists do come on, that they are uh, they're getting a more exposure, not just in the the city of Portland or the Pacific Northwest, but hopefully outside to a national listenership if there is the consistency of uh these these touring bands and um yeah i've just i've just had some really amazing opportunities the last few weeks to talk to some people and uh, gonna be sharing those episodes over the like i said the next five or six weeks gonna be featuring a lot of those national touring acts and uh yeah it's just been rad man i'm super i'm so fired up that it's uh that it's kind of hit this this point of uh, of quite a few folks reaching out regularly to get to to interview some of these some of these bands and uh, just just very very grateful for the opportunity and uh, I think just like anything if you grind grind something out for a long time there's uh, there's all these interesting points where you kind of question what you're doing and uh, the amount of time that you're putting into something, and uh, and hopefully if you if you hang in long enough, I wish I had that Phil Collins sample right there, that horn sample from Hanging Long Enough. Maybe Mountaineer Mike could hit me with it right there. It's right there. Go ahead. I don't know if it's happening or not, but it'd be great if it was. Um, but anyhow, the point is, is that uh, I feel like the the grinding things out and uh, really trying to hustle at this is uh, paying off in some ways that I didn't expect, and uh, just feeling feeling real good about it. So I I just wanted to share these things because I I do know that that some of you folks have maybe been listening for a hundred plus episodes or maybe you've only been listening for 20 but but uh i just want you to know that i'm excited because cool cool things are happening and uh all of this has just been so well worth my time and more and it's just crazy to get to have a band at the caliber and level of of a boy and bear who i have so much respect for um, their music and, and the catalog of tunes that they have put out over the last 10 years or so. And to, uh, yeah, just to get to jump on the line with somebody and, and they give me 40 minutes of their time to, you know, talk to me about their band and, and, uh, the evolution of it and what's going on with it now and things like that is, is, uh, it's just very cool that that folks are willing to do that and and not only just do it but make me feel like they're um engaged and and interested in the conversation that we're having and I just really want to thank Dave a lot cuz we did this pretty early it was uh it was 10 a.m. I think that that Dave and the band were somewhere around New York at the time and um so 7 a.m. my time which was this kind of this cool test of this thing to uh see if I could wake up early and and turn it on to to have 
have a conversation and I actually really enjoyed it. I got up maybe an hour before to try to uh, come off as I, if I wasn't, uh, you know, half awake or anything. And it really just set my day off in this great direction. Um, I guess because I, I really love doing this shit. I love it. So it, it just put me in such a great mood for the rest of the day. And I was just really happy with the conversation that Dave and I had. Not to mention the connection that we got on this phoner. This is the clearest I've ever had. I, I mean, I'm going to give all of the credit to Dave. I'm sure, you know, it was all him. But, um, yeah, just a real clean connection for this. So I'm, I'm really stoked to share this conversation with uh, Dave Hosking from, from Boy and Bear here on episode 179. I do want to shout out one local Portland uh, or a couple local Portland dates. If uh, if you dig Boy and Bear, uh, these are maybe some shows to put on your radar. One of them is uh, September 19th, and this is at the Kennedy School here in Portland, Oregon. It's from 7 to 9, Brother Not Brother, playing a couple hours. They're going to play a couple sets over there. That's a free all-ages show, um, killer psych rock, folk rock band from here in Portland. So they will be there on September 19th, and then they will be at Kelly's Olympian on September 27th, and also at the White Eagle on October 2nd. And then on September 20th at the library at Growler's Tap Room, the library is is back in action. A uh, couple killer bands over there, the Celebrators, who I had Nikolai on, I don't know, maybe a couple months ago. Really enjoyed that chat I had with him. So the Celebrators are playing along with uh, Post-War Radio. So Post-War Radio, the Celebrators, September 20th at the library. All right. And as far as Boy and Bear, they are on tour right now. The band is live and in action. And if you're listening to this on release day, which is September 13th, they are in New York tonight at the Bowery Ballroom. And then in Washington, D.C. the following night. And uh, and then into Massachusetts on September 16th. And then they hit a bunch of Canadian dates. And then they're here in the Pacific Northwest. Starting on uh, Wednesday, October 2nd. They're in Vancouver, B.C. And then in Seattle, Washington on October 3rd. As well as uh, Friday, October 4th. So two nights in Washington at the Sunset Tavern. That's going to be killer. And then the next night, October 5th. I'm really stoked for this one. This is the Portland date at the Aladdin Theater. I will definitely be over there. And they make their way down the west coast of California that following week. So just uh, I'm going to put all the links in the episode notes to Boy and Bear. So you can follow them. If you are new to the band, you dig what they're doing, give them a follow. Their new record is dropping September 27th, Suck on Light. Big shout out to Danielle from Network Music Group for linking me up with this one. And uh, don't forget to leave your iTunes reviews, people. They're super important to the growth of this thing. And uh, appreciate the hell out of everybody who is tuned in to listen to this thing. We got episode 179 coming at you, Boy and Bear on the podcast and we're kicking it off with uh, a track off that new record it's called hold your nerve let's do the damn thing 
take the initiative, but the rest was mine. Undermanned now to understand what a free fall can feel like. You became but a fabled dream that would blur in time. But a rest this high. Sometimes a spark, you know how sweet the glow that kicks you off your line. Hold her. How's it going, man? Good. How are you doing? Doing pretty well. Thanks for uh, taking the time to to jump on the line this morning with me and, and talk about uh, your band's new record, Suck On Light. Hey, man. No worries at all. Thanks for having me. Yeah, super stoked. I've been... Uh, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the the boy in Bear Tunes, so it's a, it's a pleasure to get to, to talk to you a bit. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks a lot. Yeah, if um, if it's cool before we talk about the new record, I'd love to just uh, maybe talk about the beginnings of this band a little bit to to provide some context for 
for how this thing kind of got started back in in Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No worries. Um, so it's it's been about ten years since since the band started. Yeah, yeah. We've been doing this for about ten years now. Um, and I ultimately we all kind of met uh, through university. And um, yeah, I think Killian, Killian actually like ironically kind of met in the like we were like queued up for like registration, and he was we in this weird serendipitous moment, the kind of the first person I spoke to, and uh, as it turns out, he was in my course, and we were all in different bands and kind of supporting each other, and there was a little bit of a musical, a music kind of hub there, and. Um, yeah, and then over a period of a couple of years, the guys started helping me out, and um, we decided to change the name of the project and started Boyne Bear. Um, do Do you remember what bands or records that you guys were kind of psyched about at that that time? I mean, I think like it was kind of um, it varied across the projects, you know, but we were very much caught up in that like. Well, I was very much caught up in that kind of, I don't know, what was that kind of indie wave at that point of like Sigaros and um, Fleet Foxes and um, all of the other big bands. It was like Grizzly Bear. And yeah. It felt like, it felt like there was that way around that era was like a lot of really great, um, I don't know, like lots of harmonies and people that are kind of reinterpreting you know, a lot of um, 60s and 70s kind of melodies and, and folk-driven songs but doing them in this really cool way. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, listening through your catalog, I think Fleet Foxes is definitely a band that that comes through in that for yeah. me. And uh, as well as some older stuff like the, I don't know, maybe some Van Morrison and, and Neil Young and kind of Fleetwood Mac vibes seem to uh, run through there sometimes when I'm listening to it as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it was probably like, I think those bands, those kind of more new wave bands were like a little bit of a, like a reminder of, um, yeah, of some of those older projects and older artists. And I think particularly after that first record, we kind of started to move more towards that kind of pop, that old pop thing, that Fleetwood Mac thing. And um, yeah, definitely, definitely big influences, those bands. Had had you been uh, writing songs from a pretty young age? And I, I mean, I'd been trying to. I don't think they were very good. <laughs> 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 like, I think... I think I'd always like noodled, you know, whenever I jumped on the piano or jumped on the guitar, I'd like, I had enjoyed just um, string chords, chords together and seeing what happened. Um, I always got a lot of pleasure from that. And then I can't remember the moment I decided to like, you know, actually write and finesse and finish a song. I think, I mean, it would have been at school. I think I must have been kind of 16 or 17 when I started to like, yeah, write and started to see if I could, um, you know, pull it all together. So, yeah, I'd been doing that, I guess, for a little while. Yeah, and as far as the, the songwriting, does it happen as much on the keys 
than it does on the guitar, or does it primarily start on the guitar? It's look, it's primarily the guitar these days. Um, yeah, I just like I don't really know what I'm doing on the keys. <laughs> I just, as long as I'm on the white notes, I'm fine. <laughs> no, but, I mean, that's not. Yeah, <laughs> not, not entirely true. <laughs> not like John on the keys. <laughs> yeah, not like John. Is no. John? John seems to. Uh, have this pretty incredible touch on the keys that even comes through on all of your records. Like there's just this feel that seems to he, come through. He's really, um, it's really interesting with John. Uh, at least the interesting story with John was that we, you know, years and years ago, cause we were originally a four piece. We decided we wanted a, a keys player and um, Tim at the time. So Tim's John's brother. Tim was playing drums for us and, I think I was sitting around one night and having a couple of beers and Tim's like, you know, you should consider my brother because he plays keys and he, at that point we needed someone to be able to play mandolin and all this stuff as well. And he said he can play all this stuff. And as it turns out, Tim was completely bullshitting. Like he was just <laughs> lying through his teeth. So John, John was a guitarist and he essentially, uh, I think at the time I was like, okay, great, let's chat to John and see what he's like. And so he then called John and he's like, okay, Dave's going to talk to you. You need to tell Dave that you can play keys. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and so, um, and then I, yeah, I remember catching up with John and he was just such a lovely dude. And they'd, you know, they'd been, he'd been playing a lot of music. He was a great, uh, at least I didn't, I wasn't fully aware, but he was a quite a good guitarist and, He'd played in a band as well, and he just kind of went along with the story that he could play keys. And Tim was like, you've literally got two weeks to learn how to play the piano. <laughs> and he did it, and he got through, you know. And what's I think what's interesting is coming at it from like a guitarist perspective, I think it means he plays a certain way um, melodically. And I also think what's really interesting is kind of seeing him, say, from the first record to now, like just – that kind of 10 years of experience in terms of sounds and style. And he's really um, moved into a space where he's such an important part of our sound. And um, yeah, I've just come to love, really love what he does. Yeah, man. Especially I feel like, like you were, you were saying, you know, 10 years in now that he's been playing for a while, it's really starting to, uh, to get dialed in. And I think, I mean, on Limit of Love and and this new record, I think it really does, you know, kind of shine on those records. Yeah, that, look, I, I feel the same. And I think, too, if you think about that, you know, that whole synth world is like you can spend a, a lifetime in, in there trying to understand it. And I think he's really um, put his head down and kind of started to really work out what he likes and what he's into and how to use these instruments really effectively. And, um, yeah, I agree. He's, he's really – the last two records particularly, you can hear it, I think. Uh, when you guys started the band, was it really intentional to have all of the harmonies going on? Did you know that that's what you wanted out of this? Look, I think so. I think we – that was probably a, a fairly large crossover of, you know, the, the music that I loved and what Tim loved and Killian and um, and these days as well as John and Simesy. I think we all have a – we all love what that does, that kind of, you know, that wall of sound moment, whether it's Fleetwood Mac or 
you know, Crosby, Stills, Nash, or Fleet Foxes, it's like when those harmonies are done right, it, it does add a certain richness. Um, and I think I think we're using harmonies a little bit differently these days, but as a general rule that, yeah, the song for the most part would sort of all doesn't feel complete until we've done the BVs. I think it's just a, uh, a taste thing, you know? We all love it. Yeah, is it also uh, just an energy that it brings to the live show to know that everybody on stage is kind of singing together at a lot of the moments? I mean, I think for the most part when we're writing, we're, we're, we're just trying to service the song uh, in the studio as best we can. I... I probably underestimated times how much like like it's interesting even when we're doing the harmonies in the studios there's like me and Tim will kind of do the lion's share but you know you want to have different um, tones in there and you know in some songs some songs work like if I'm doubling stuff at other times it just sounds better if once you know once I've got my lead in there you get everyone else in and it's interesting because the boys they're always hungry hungry to sing and they they want to get in there you know and there's this sort of like little mexican standoff of like who's <laughs> who's kind of who's gonna go in you know like scissor paper rock moment so um so yeah i think they all on stage they all love you know getting behind the mic which is great yeah and i, th- I think it's just so engaging for you know the people observing to see everybody on stage with the microphone and especially yeah you know especially tim on the drums it's always fun to watch a drummer sing as well and has it always been a thing that you you guys had tim set up at the front of the stage like front side and as opposed to him being in the back you know what there were two reasons i i think one tim is a sort of gregarious character he he's quite an entertainer he was the front man of his old project uh, and it just seemed to make sense to have him up the front because he, I don't know, he provides that. Um, I think he's a great entertainer and he's just, you know, it's easier to banter when you're closer to the audience than if you're at the back. Um, the other thing was we toured with Laura Marling years and years ago when we were starting out and she had the drums at the front left and we were supporting her. So we would play. And, you know, obviously, Tim, you know, you just borrow the kit and Tim would be, like, um, at the front left. And at the time, Tim and our bass player were actually playing in Laura's band as well. So I think I think he just got used to it. And we did so many shows like that that it just felt weird when we kind of went back. Um, and that arrangement just, yeah, I don't know. It just felt a little different but it felt right and he loves being at the front. So we'll keep him there. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, I, d- I dig it. <laughs> He'd hate being at the back. <laughs> um, yeah. 10 years, I feel like is a, is a long, like a pretty, pretty good chunk of time to, to maintain a band and, and all the relationships within a band. What, what do you think has been sustainable about this group of guys in, in this band? I think, first and foremost, I think everyone, like, you know, the, the lineup has changed. Like, our original bass player um, is no longer with the project. And, and even way back, you know, there were other people that were sort of involved for a little while. And I don't know, I think, like, I think 
we've learnt something we picked up early was we watched so many great bands fall to pieces, you know, not because of their music. I mean, we saw bands that were, you know, far, far better than us just implode because they couldn't handle the relationships. And I think in those early years, we just really kind of cottoned on to the fact that we need to be able to solve problems as a collective you know, and relationship issues. And I don't know, we would have kind of two or three sort of mini intervention moments, whether they're on the road or at home, to try and sort stuff out. And and sometimes, you know, in some cases, we couldn't sort stuff out and people left left the project. But I think what it's meant now is that, like, you know, it's been the same five for, I think Simji's done six or seven years now. And it's great that we don't have those conversations that often because I think there's been a platform now of, you know, what's required. And, um, and I just think for better or well, for better that everyone is just, there's just a good bunch of guys. We all get along and we all understand what our, what we have to do. Um, and we've just worked it to that point where the communication is really good and we all know that that has to work or else, you know, because you're spending so much time with each other, you, ha- you have to be able to find a sustainable system. Right. You got to try yeah. to maintain a relationship with four or five other people all the time and 100% have everybody's but voice kind of heard and whatnot. It's, it's definitely like, it's a very diplomatic process. Like sometimes like it's a slow moving machine to get like, you know, answers back to management and like sometimes you just like it's frustrating because you're just like, oh, fuck it, like let's just do this. But you sort of realize that it's like we're just used to it. You just let everyone kind of chip in and say what they want and most of the time we can find a way forward quickly. It's just important that everyone feels they have a voice and um, yeah. So anyway, we've, you know, it's, it's, it's in a good spot, which is great. Yeah, and I would imagine that, that 10 years uh, brings a lot of maturity as well and and just like you were saying everybody understands what's required or what the the common goal is moving forward as the band and whatnot yeah completely you know it's different it is different being you know i mean i'm the youngest i'm at 32 you know compared to 22 and you know kind of going through your mid-20s and trying to navigate all this i think there's a, definitely a bit more maturity and um a bit more professionalism um is there is there any anxiety like moving forward about the songs coming for the next record every time now that you are kind of 10 years into this thing is there is there ever that feeling of the fear well, that the songs aren't going to come or has it always been kind of a natural thing that the the songs come when they need to I think it's been like it's it's an interesting question I mean the last two records have been interesting. I've had some had some substantial health issues, which kind of knocked knocked me around and affected my brain, affected my cognitive output, and and so I wasn't, you know, compared to the first two records, the amount I was writing got kind of decimated, and we had to learn to write in a different way. And I think I I got to. I mean, I think if if I can completely get out of the woods with my health stuff, I think I will probably go back to writing a lot. I think it, it comes down to like pleasure. Like 
I think at least I personally still get so much pleasure from writing. You know, every time I pick up the guitar, I just it's about experimenting and and singing and seeing what happens. And I think as a collective, the five of us, that's probably what we enjoy the most. And I think as long as that's you know pleasurable, and as long as you can keep being um, moving into a space of you know, not just repeating yourself, but pushing yourself. I think the songs tend to look after themselves. Yeah. Um, you I, know, it's like, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, that's, that's what I pick up when I go through the, when I go through the catalog of the Boy and Bear albums. I think that that progression happens every time, but it also yeah. seems like that you guys do a really great job of taking everything that was good about that previous record and, and bringing that to the process still, but just refining it every time and and exploring different sounds. Yeah, I, I think I think that's something that like I think the ultimate goal for a band is to really start to define your own sound more and more and to find a unique space. And you know, some projects and some bands come out fully flat, like just somehow whether it's Tame Impala or even Fleet Foxes, you know, they, they sound fully formed and they sound so unique straight off the bat. And I think um, for the rest of us, it takes time to ref- sort of refine that. And I'm such a believer in, you know, as a band, for the most part, you're buying yourself time to keep improving your craft and keep moving towards writing better songs and making better records. So um, I think... As long as that hunger's there and, you know, the excitement and the pleasure, we'll just keep keep pushing that and seeing seeing what we can do. It's too much fun, you know. Absolutely, man. I, I just uh, – the highest of praise to the curation of songs on, on all the records. I just think that uh, – Thanks, man. Yeah, I just feel like – I don't know. There's there's not a, a throwaway song that I, that I come across. I feel like every song that seems to be on the records could be – a single of some sort and kind of standalone, but also just just well well curated the collection of tunes on each record. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. Um let's uh let's take a little musical break here and jump into okay. one of these tunes off of uh the new record. Um we're gonna get into work of art, which is the first track off the uh yep. Suffer and Light record. Y- yeah. And uh yeah, this is it. This is Boy and Bear with uh, Work of Art. I can feel it in the back of my mind It took an amnesia from the back of my mind And so big Work and 
So I feel like when I when I uh, when I heard that was the first track that I heard off this new record, the work of art. And yeah, cool. It seemed like right from the get go that you guys were kind of leaning into some of these these more R and B vibes with that, and kind of these these psychedelic <laughs> uh, feel. And uh, I just I just love that song and that that vocal climb that goes along with the guitar. It's so rad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, and then and and, yeah. It, and it just goes. I don't know. That that's a song that just kind of goes to this whole other place from where it starts and gets into yeah. this crazy jam. Um, yeah. <laughs> what 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 is it about? What's what's the difference with this collection of tunes? This this kind of uh, this next level that you guys seem to take it to with this uh, across the record. Yeah. Um, I think like, I think the rhythm section has shifted. Uh, I think that kind of R&B thing that pops its head up at times is probably driven by Simesy, who's our bass player. He's very much like, you know, he, he's a pretty, um, pretty amazing. Oops, sorry, just a sec. Oh, no worries. How do I? No. Um. Yeah, he, he's a really, um, he's really amazing bass player. He kind of hasn't worked a day in his life outside of music. You know, he went to, he studied it at school, and I think he's been sleeping next to his bass for a long, <laughs> long time. <laughs> so he's pretty committed. Um, but he, yeah, he's definitely come through that kind of soul and funk world, um, and he brings a certain level of. Um, syncopation, you know, and he he played. He's a very melodic player. I think it's interesting when we started doing these demos. He sort of jumped on the drum machine a lot, and he would come up with these grooves. Uh, and he came up with that groove for work of art. Um, and he also came up with a bunch of other stuff that I can't remember off the top of my head. But I think it's one of those things where it's like when you know, if he's driving like the groove he has, he sort of feels it in a certain way. Um, and I think he's definitely brought a bit more sort of bounce and a little bit more attitude to the rhythm section and him and Tim have sort of found this really nice middle ground, um, in terms of what, what they're coming up with together. So I think that's been a shift. Um, I think the fact that like something like dry eyes, like Killian wrote the acoustic part for dry eyes and, sent it to me and you know we're starting to like i don't know the songs could kind of start anywhere you know as opposed to say the first record i was writing on guitar and we'd arrange collectively now it was kind of like people like you know sending like a piano part or a guitar part and and starting to work on songs from that angle so i think that's brought brought a, a different a, a bit of a shift um and then yeah, it's interesting. I'm I'm trying to think of all the songs and wh and where they've come to and what the difference is. And I don't know. I think I'm definitely one for. I feel like the arrangements are a bit more subtle and maybe a little bit more sophisticated um, on this record. There's less kind of obvious chorus moments. I I, I kind of like the. Um, you know, I'm thinking of certain songs off the top of my head, but. Um, yeah, those kind of subtle choruses where you slip into them without knowing you're really there. 
So I don't know. There's lots of differences. I'm just, I'm, I think that's some of them anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when you talk about the song starting in different places and, and people sending ideas for tunes, was that kind of part of uh, you guys having to change the approach from uh, like health issues that you were experiencing? Yeah, it was interesting. We we kind of realized, you know, almost halfway through the uh, when we were writing Limit of Love that we didn't have the same amount of songs because I just wasn't producing them. And, and so we, on the fly, kind of learnt. We were like, okay, we're going to have to do this differently. And so I think by the time we hit this record, um, we were a little bit more prepared in terms of, you know, just straight away, just staying really open to any idea and um, letting songs start however they wanted to start. And it still meant I was bringing ideas and kind of songs to the to the floor, but it, in a nice way it takes the pressure off and it just keeps things interesting. I mean, we were writing for 18 months and it's kind of nice to be like, it's like, hey, I've got something I'm working on, great, let's dive in and work on that. And then the next week it's like, or the next day it's, someone's kind of feeling like they've been listening to, I don't know, some weird 80s pop and so Tim starts playing a weird groove and people just jump in and play what they feel. And Because I think you've, you've got to keep it interesting when you're writing for long periods of time or else it just starts to get get a little bit um, sort of just dull and, and um, what's the word I'm after, repetitious. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it sounds like, the uh, the circumstances kind of forced a different kind of creativity out of the band a little bit. Ma- massively, I think that's a, a really good way of looking at it. Um, and as fo- this is this is probably like the biggest record as far as production and sound, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, is that uh, is that kind of a natural progression, or did did you guys kind of consciously say, hey, like let's really Let's really go huge on on everything here. You know what we what we ended up doing was we actually wrote a brief for this record because we wanted to sit down and I think if you're lucky enough to be in our position, you know you have a lot of options of who and how you want to work, um, and it can get quite overwhelming. <laughs> There's a lot of really amazing producers and. I think what helped us was we sat down and kind of went, hey, what record do we want to make? We ended up realizing that to make that, we needed the right sort of engineer. Um, And so we spent, I don't know, a good six months. I mean, we're always listening and having discussions around producers and engineers, but I think this time particularly, you know, we were listening for drum tones and listening to vocal tones and um, trying to really, you know, have those discussions as to, what what sort of sound we could potentially, you know, um, that would potentially work with us. And we actually listened to a, in amongst a whole bunch of records, we came across a Ray LaMontagne record called Supernova. Yeah, man. <laughs> and, yeah, and and we just, I remember listening to it and I was like, it perked my ears up and there's something in this, the engineering of that record, there's something about the fact that like, you know, it's it's a, kind of pop record it's got punch but at the same time too when you're hearing the guitar and you're hearing all the stringed instruments you, you can hear the player in the room at the same time um it feels very human and i think that was a little bit of a light bulb moment 
that was like, hey, this could really work. Like this is punchy and it's moving forward, but it's also it feels organic and it feels like yeah, the only way I can describe it is you can you can almost visualize the player or visualize the person on the instrument, which which is a kind of nice does a nice thing, at least to my brain when I'm listening to music. So I think once we decided once we discovered Colin, so Colin Dupuy was who engineered that record. Absolutely. Um, we went, you know, let's do it. Let's co-produce with Colin. Um, and as it turns out, he's a really amazing mix mixer and um, a really solid producer as well. He, he kind of mainly um, engineered and, and mixes, but he's produced enough stuff that he was kind of really uh, helpful on a, a bunch of those fronts. So, I think it was just discovering him and then just, you know, going all in. Yeah. I Colin, Colin's, uh, his archive of work is, is pretty amazing. The records that he's worked on. Yeah. 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 It really is. Um, I mean, when you look at the black keys and Lana Del Rey and, you know, he, I mean, he was just such a, a great find and he's really, it's interesting in the studio, he like he spent two days setting it up with the kind of um, local assistant engineers and he literally had like every mic and channel on, like set up. And so the whole point is that you didn't have to, if someone was like, hey, I'm going to try a well, it's a part, I'm going to try a guitar part. It wasn't like, okay, great, we're going to hook that up and you go. It's like, okay, he'd literally be like, great, get in there. He's like, go and hit a button and you're on. And there was something really the the way he set up um, was pretty amazing, and he said he'd learned it from someone else, some really great producer, which would be such a handy thing to remember. But um, <laughs> we we love that about him because it also means it ends up being this kind of efficiency of ideas because you can actually just go instead of wasting you know ten minutes every time you want to try something, it's like you suddenly you have time, you you're sort of capturing that creative energy more readily. And you can try whatever you want. So, yeah, he he was just a really great find. Yeah, that's great that you don't have that your idea doesn't have to get lost in in the setup of something. Yeah, to get it recorded. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, you you mentioned just like capturing the human element on the record, and I I think that's what it does so well. Is it's it's obviously this big production of tunes, but you can definitely hear the live elements of everybody playing and, and even like the string work that is on some of these yeah. songs is just feels so real and you can you can definitely tell they're you know real strings yeah and and just as far as all the other instruments too it just seems to capture this this very live energy and the the feel of it is is all there and it doesn't seem like anything gets sucked out of the the production well i think yeah i think that was definitely a, a um a very purposeful you know choice um that was what we were going for and i think that just suits at least in this point in time it feels like that suits our music we know we didn't want to go as far as we'd done on the previous record where we kind of went real live into tape and what you know ends up being quite a kind of soft sounding record i think inevitably we wanted to find a middle ground and um yeah and i feel like we did that so right on man well mm. i would limit of love 
was is uh my favorite record of yours and now that suck yeah, on wow. light now that suck on light is out i feel like that's going to be my new favorite record and i feel like that's kind of <laughs> how it is with like the boy and bear tunes as i go through the albums like each record the next one becomes my favorite so great uh, yeah just, <laughs> well, that's good yeah man i'm just <laughs> nice such a big i'm just such a a big fan of the tunes and i think that the songwriting has has been there from the beginning from from moonfire and um it's just really cool to see the the progression from from record to record and your your lyrics are are so great and there seems to be one line that kind of sticks with me from from each tune whether it's like from breakdown slow the this is what you get for chasing dreams like that that's such a great line um, yeah, <laughs> and and so many more, man. Like throughout throughout the catalog, there's just a lot that sticks with me. So it's uh, uh it's very cool thanks. to get to uh, chat it up with you and and, thanks, and learn man. about this stuff. And I'm I'm so stoked for everybody to hear your new record. Oh, thanks so much, man. Oh, it's it's nice to hear that because on the inside we're still just um you know terrified, insecure musicians so <laughs> so, to, so to hear that is like really lovely so um, thanks a lot yeah i have one question a, th- a little throwback question for the moonfire record um yeah. part-time believer yeah was that like a nod to america's horse with no name because <laughs> i i, I lo- mean i love that jam so much <laughs> i i it, it was I, I think like i i remember kind of pulling that together and I just had this acoustic version of it and I put all the harmonies down and Tim was like, this is really great. He's like, you do realize he's like, it's got quite a strong reference to us <laughs> with no name. And I was like, I, we were just kind of like, fuck it. Let's just go for it. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll be, we'll be fine. But it's def- it definitely has that sort of melodic skip in the choruses. So, you know, they haven't sued us yet, so that's the main thing. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's like a cool tribute or nod to that song. Yeah, that's like it. when I'm listening to it, it's like, all right, this is cool, man. This this definitely seems to, uh, you know, take a piece of that and and bring it to life. So, hundred percent, yeah. Right on, <laughs> man. Well, suck on light is out on September 27th, and uh, there's there's a few songs that are available for people to check out right now out there and mm-hmm. uh we we end every episode of the podcast with uh the guest of the show saying the tagline which is it's a program so if we could get the uh the dave it's a program we can properly end this thing okay great so uh okay it's a program you nailed it dave you nailed it. <laughs> hey man, thanks so much for for taking the time to do that do this this morning. I really appreciate it. Oh man, no worries at all. Um thanks so much. It's nice nice to um yeah, like a little trip down memory lane talking about all the old stuff and um yeah, stoked you're into it, man. It's great. Yeah, I'm excited to see you guys when you come through Portland, Oregon here on October 5th. Great. I wish Amazing. you I wish you the best of luck with all the all of your uh your health stuff. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks a lot. Yeah, and uh, yeah, like I said, I, I just really appreciate your time, and we're going to play it out with the uh, the title track of the record, which is uh, Suck on Light. Amazing. That's the Jelly Jams, everybody.
This is uh, Boy and Bear with Suck On Light. And we will catch you on the flip side, Portland. I didn't even try to stay. My world was on fire now, and there was nothing I could do. There was nothing I could say. Persuade the wrongs to right themselves I was swinging hard now just upon the edge of virtue Moving back again, move back I was in a real dire state I was in the most awkward of ways With my head against the earth I tried Just to find peace of my mind undone Mind undone And now I'm moving with a quiet ease Something inside me is changing It's stirring all the life in me Oh baby Cause there's only so much waking It's a sober sight, your knuckles bad and white It's the flicker on the front line from a candlelight It's the appetite, you gotta suck on light Stand your ground So sue me, I had a change of heart I used to think that I could justify the waste of time It's only mine, but I'm yet to find a vivid life without it Now I'm moving through a light and breeze Something inside me is changing It's strange how all the colors bleed Oh baby But the rolling stone can pick up some pace So right
Okay, it's a program.